but uh, Bernie did uh, did refer to one of my favorite political quotes, at least my favorite American political quote of all time, maybe. Um, and the last time I read it on mic, uh, it was for John Qualco because I believe it's, uh, it's relevant for him, but it's really relevant for everyone. So I'm going to read it again. This was, uh, <coughs> excuse me, this was FDR in uh, 36, I believe. We had to struggle with the old enemies of peace. Business and financial monopoly, speculation, reckless banking, class antagonism, sectionalism, war profiteering. They had begun to consider the government of the United States a mere appendage to their own affairs. We know now that government by organized money is just as dangerous as government by organized mob. Never before in all our history have these forces been so united against one candidate as they stand today. They are unanimous in their hate for me, and I welcome their hatred. Hello, folks. Welcome to another episode of Highlands Bunker. I'm your friend and comrade, Ari Vanella. We're in the shadow of Rockford Tower. And um, we have sort of a... Like a bonus sort of special episode today. Um, I think because it's timely, we may preempt what we had ready for you uh, tomorrow, which is a beautiful discussion with uh, News Journal breaking news reporter Adam DuVernay and uh, the adjunct professor of English and a feature writer, freelance writer for Delaware Today and other places, uh, Jordan Howell. And we have just like a conversation about telling Delaware stories. So it's actually pretty dope. Uh, maybe if you're real nice, we'll, uh, we'll release it early next week as a little treat for you. Uh, we also, during that episode, do a little eulogy for Dr. John. We found out he died, uh, actually as we were like doing a sound check that night. So, um, yeah, we have something ready for you. But tonight, we're going to put something out that's going to be a little different First, the thing I want to do, though, is a little pitch. So we've put out about 20 of these for you. I think they're getting better. You guys seem to dig them. We see the numbers. Got a couple hundred, 300, 400. A couple, one of these, uh, one of these has, I think, 1,300. You can guess which one if you want to. Probably the mayor probably shouldn't guess. <clears throat> um, but what I'd like to do is uh, start expanding this a little bit. Uh, we're going to get some new equipment in here. We're going to start uh, being able to talk uh, over the phone to some national figures to talk about organizing, to talk about the work they're doing, to talk about the books they've written, etc. So we're, we're, we're going to start working this out. Um, Carl, who's with me tonight, uh, is working on a wonderful web series on YouTube, Commons Academy. It's a history of the American left. The first one's out. The next one's probably going to be out in a week or so, I guess, 10 days. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of cool stuff we're doing, but we need your help. Now's the time. We need you to jump in. Um, you know, two bucks, five bucks a month, Patreon helps us out. Ten bucks a month. Uh, I, I, have a, I have a graphic designer in. I think we might send you a T-shirt. It's pretty funny. It's the logo of me uh, doing 
doing Reconnaissance by Rockford Tower. It's there in the Patreon. So, you know, we do this for a reason, and I know a lot of the folks who follow us and follow the work we've been doing are, you know, they're organizers. Um, they're out there every day, and, they're, you know, they can't do this. So some of you are out there, and you know who you are, uh, should be supporting this kind of work if that's how you feel. So, um, yeah, that's the pitch for tonight. You, uh, you're already here at the, the Highlands Bunker at Patreon, Ari Vanilla. Um, we're also probably going to start simultaneously putting these out on, uh, on SoundCloud, and you'll be able to get them into your other uh, podcast platforms for ease because you guys are – you got to be spoon-fed. I understand. Uh, I think you're going to like where we're going, and I think you're you're going to dig it. And you know, I don't, I don't necessarily want to make a lot of the content behind a paywall um, for the reasons that I said. It's about organizing. It's about getting information out. Um, so, you know, if you want to jump in on the ground floor, now's the time. So, I'd love to, uh, I'd love to see some solidarity from our brothers and sisters out there. So tonight we have a few things to talk about. A very exciting one that we're going to leave for last is the uh, the bunker went on a field trip. Uh, we went down to D.C. and we had a nice time. And we're going to tell you all about it. But the first thing I want to do is hit this minimum wage situation. So I wish there was someone here and, and maybe Carl knows a little more detail. But I know the wage is uh, starting to, the, the, the increase, which I think is to $11.00. Is that right? I've been following super closely. Yeah, I think it's... So it's not even 15, but whatever it is in the next year or so, it's starting to work its way through the legislature. So it's becoming a sort of a hot topic. And, of course, the usual suspects and ghouls and fucking nasty people come out of the woodwork. The roaches are out. So this is uh, the the new news journal uh, reporter uh, for state government, Sarah uh, Gamard, I think it is. Uh, She's another another uh, Louisiana person. So been given uh, Lex and Albright and Duvernay a bunch of shit about it. But she wrote a a, sort of a a summary of um, what's going on with this minimum wage bill, and. It starts like this. The biggest thing standing between Delaware workers and a $15 minimum wage may be state's pro-business reputation. While several large companies such as Christiana Care Health Systems and Amazon have already raised their minimum wage to $15, some lawmakers and lobbyists say many small businesses cannot afford it. The result, opponents say, would be price, uh, price rises for goods and services and small business failing. All that is, con- is contributing to what could be big versus small and urban versus rural battles. Now, this is the bit that um, we're going to talk about. Adding fuel to the argument are opponents who say they don't believe anyone stays in minimum wage jobs or tries to support a family on them. Now, this is James DeCheney, or DeCheen, Jimmy DeCheen, DeCheese, whatever the fuck this guy's name is. This guy is a lobbyist at the Delaware State Chamber of Commerce. This guy lives up John Carney's rectum. This guy's head, Jimmy Jimmy McCheese, the cheese, James DeChen, whatever. Here's his quote. <clears throat> and this is on people um, supporting a family on a minimum wage. I don't buy it. 
They may exist, but they are certainly not the bulk of minimum wage earners in Delaware. Now, if you notice, there's no footnote. I didn't skip anything. Feel free to, to go look at it online. It's at that Delaware online. So if you're looking for some sort of um, analysis or reporting from the you know, Delaware Labor Board or, you know, some sort of, you know, UD study, you're not going to find one. <clears throat> so what this guy's doing is just shilling off the top of his head, just, just you know, just spitballing to basically try to say that, well, most people, it doesn't matter how much money they make because they don't really need it. That's, that seems to me to be the argument. Is that, when you, li- when you hear that, what's the first thing that rings in your mind? Well, I mean, it's sort of a situation that you get pretty often with sort of these uh, higher cl- upper middle class and upper class people where the idea of what the economy looks like is more based off of their Econ 101 textbooks than any actual grounding in the real world. Uh, sort of actually what happened in here during the Matt Albright episode, where um, you both agree that the you don't know what the average uh, income was, but it's certainly more than $60,000, which was, I looked it up, the average household income in America is $55,000. Um, so that's not a, meant as a dig of you. It's a little bit of a dig at Albright, but... Uh, no, it should be a dig at me, too. I mean, it's it's. I mean, it, you could, it couldn't even be a dig at anybody, just not... Even somebody who talks about this stuff, I still... You know, and, and I don't remember exactly, but 60 sounds like something, I would say, and it's even less than that, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's just a product of a very stratified society where people don't really relate to the working classes. And so if we want to see what the actual minimum wage worker looks like, I don't know if I have any Delaware-specific figures, but the uh, Economic Policy Institute uh, had a good graphic about sort of what is expected of minimum wage workers and what they actually are. So when you think of minimum wage workers, you think of like an 18-year-old working at McDonald's, uh, you know, working part-time to, you know, get a car or something. Whereas in reality, the average wage worker, uh, minimum wage worker, is 35 years old, um, 56% are women, 28% have children, uh, and 55% uh, work full-time. And on average, they earn half of their family's total income. So that usually means that a minimum wage family is one that is working two minimum wage jobs, and they're a lot more common than people think. So what you just heard, folks, is like uh, like the numbers, like is what's really happening. And what you hear from Dover quite often is, you know, we just got to keep, uh, keep the status quo going. They do not, do not want this minimum wage because they do not want to pay a fair wage. Okay, and and the thing, the the, the story, and, and this story obviously talks about, you know, the small business owner. Again, we've been through this before. I, I, there are that that sort of is a shorthand or a euphemism for something that I I use sometimes, and it's sort of like a low level, uh, you know, low level corporate sort of uh, you know, dentist that runs his own thing, or you know a. a, a use a, you know a car dealer or something like that but there are mom and pop stuff and there are people that are hustling to do something i understand that but when we say everybody gets it everybody gets it everybody needs a living wage everybody needs health care it's part of the package so it's really a failure of of imagination you know to think to to, to think this way but 
they're paid to do that. They're paid to just say things in the paper and, you know, it doesn't really matter. That's they, it doesn't matter what the numbers are because they have the political power. Just remember that. Um, just It struck me when I read that, um, you know, Kowalko was in here and basically saying that, you know, that's that's really the nuts and bolts of the of, of the financial part of the state is the Chamber of Commerce, you know, representing the businesses they represent, you know, making sure that things stay as smooth as they could possibly be. Yeah, because, I mean, at the end of the day, it's not about small business owners. I love small business owners to a certain extent. Some of them, a lot of them. Yeah. But um, the real threats to these business owners is not, you know, paying slightly more for their workers. It is, you know, big companies like Walmart or Amazon that come in and completely drive them out of business. It's, you know, massive corporate concentration, which, you know, drives up prices that they can no longer afford. It's stuff like gentrification, especially here in Wilmington, which drives smaller locally owned businesses out of business and replaces them with wealthier chains. Like that is that is the real issue that is affecting a lot of businesses. And, you know. A minimum wage is only part of that. Yeah, it's like that's the the cost to a small business. And I always think of my friends Jack and Gemma who owned for so long the Nine Street Bookshop. You know, they had to battle through um, big box stores like Barnes & Noble. Then they had to battle through Amazon's rise, which they battled to the very end. Then they had to battle, as you said, you know, the, now they're on Market Street and the and, and you know uh, their their building uh, was owned by BPG through a through a third party real estate arm, um, you know, and so their rents. Nobody says, well, these rent rises are going to put these small businesses out of business. You notice Jim 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 DeCheese or whatever the fuck his name is didn't say that these rent rises are going to push these small businesses out because they don't fucking care about that. It's when they don't want to pay. You know the, the 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 woman or the guy who's trying to bring home some money for for a family with their spouse or their partner, or maybe they don't even have a second. Like you said, maybe they have the second minimum wage job. Maybe they have two. You know these guys are out of touch, and they have to be called out. So James McChen and and uh, and and uh, Carney and all the boys at the uh, Chamber of Commerce, we fucking see you too, and we see what you're doing. I can tell you right now, I don't know if you can hear this on mic, but the bunker is getting pelted by driving rain right yeah, now. Yeah, the gods are angry at but I'll tell the you Chamber what, of Commerce. The gods are angry at the Chamber of Commerce, and this bunker, and this goes, this is, this kind of goes towards the socialist sort of a spirit of court. Uh, it's watertight here. Uh, we could, we could just stay in here as long as we need to. Because we're never going to stop calling you out, because this is, it's really, really disgusting, piggish fucking quote. And this gets me to our next piggish idea. I was alerted uh, yesterday evening by a, uh, a great comrade of ours that the uh, news journal had <clears throat> published a... I, I couldn't tell if it was an op-ed or, or a letter um, from the CEO... Of, and and, and I want to I want to read this right because I'm I'm very confused by this. Sheila Bravo <clears throat> is the president and CEO of the Delaware Alliance for Nonprofit Advancement. I'll tell you what. 
it's already real fucking suspicious. Like, it look, it's just, if you're the, it just, it's just suspicious. <clears throat> the title of this between letter and op-ed is called Raising Minimum Wage Too Quickly Would Hurt Nonprofits. Opinion. Yeah, opinion. She starts, raising the minimum wage in Delaware is a double-edged sword for the state's nonprofit organizations. <laughs> okay. Helpful and potentially hurtful to their mission. As employers, the nonprofit sector pays 11% of Delaware's workforce, more than 45,000 people, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. At least this one has some statistics, unlike uh, Mayor Dick Cheese in the, the Chamber of Commerce. Always appreciate the numbers. Yeah, you love this. <clears throat> A 33% increase in the minimum wage in six months from $8.25 an hour in May of uh, 2018 to 11 in January of 2020 is too much too soon. $2.75 an hour is too much too soon. God forbid. Yeah, I wonder... I, well, we'll get into this in a minute. I, I guess I, I wonder, like, when is... If you're living on starvation wages... <clears throat> I, when I, when is the time when does the time come? That really is the question, I guess. If this is too soon, and you're 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 on poverty wages, I don't know when the time is supposed to be. It's a very confusing sentence, I think. But maybe she'll maybe she'll clear it up when we we go forward here. Maybe. Nonprofits work with state agencies to provide critical services in local communities. They are paid for those services through contracts and grants. Mm. Okay, well, some there. We have consistently heard from our nonprofit members, members. Oh, the alliance. So she's not really, she's she's watching the watchers. I I get it. I see what I see what's happening here. This is, seems like a public-private partnership of some sort. We have consistently heard from our nonprofit members that year over year, those contracts and grants don't keep up with the cost of delivering those services. Sounds like everything. I, I mean, yeah, right. We don't we don't pass Kowalko's uh, tax tiers because we have enough revenue. It's funny because well, we need I, to smooth the budget to fix that. Smooth, smooth brain, smooth yeah. brain through smooth budget. Yeah. yeah, and I mentioned this this week. Remember when 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 Carney when when Carney says we we're, we we have enough revenue now, we fixed it. Um, it's a lie. He's a liar. He's he's a rat fink. Um, what he's saying is. Contrary to what Sheila here is saying, she's saying that they're getting less and less. Well, yeah, I guess they would have enough revenue if they implement crushing austerity. But but let's let's continue. Does she in this letter in this lobby or later in this letter lobby for um, raising like the income taxes or perhaps some sort of uh, you know she should I think well let's see yeah. that would uh, you know we'll I think that would be a great argument yeah and say you know maybe the people who are are, uh, are sucking off the teat of our tax haven and sending their kids to Tattnall and driving around fucking Mercedes SUVs around the Highlands we see you all the people who are the executives of these um, nonprofits oh we'll get to that. Yeah, that, the, wait till the kicker. This this story has a, a punchline you're not going to believe. Yeah, they don't want to pay more to deliver the services because, I mean, have you ever sent a kid to Tattnall? Plus, they're in the band. I mean, you know, those musical instruments are not cheap. And of course, you know, they got to get two Mercedes because, you know. 
But but we don't have enough money to to, to for the least pe for people who are getting services from fucking nonprofits because the government won't do it. We don't have enough money even to give them grants and pay people eleven dollars an hour. So funny. So far, this is an indictment of the entire system if you look at it from a certain in a certain sense. <clears throat> For contracts and grants awarded for fiscal year 2019, members say they haven't received more money to cover the minimum wage increase in June and one set for October. Most nonprofits, unlike retail businesses, cannot raise prices to offset those costs. Okay. Nonprofits would need more public donations to cover the increases, or worse, be forced to reduce workers' hours or eliminate jobs. But you, wait, wait. Okay. A, they would need more public donations. B, reduce worker hours. C, eliminate jobs. D, raise taxes. No, she doesn't go D. No, no D. D. There's no, no D. D. Okay. There's no D. Interesting. Just the next paragraph. No D. That's not an option. We can't do that. Can't do that. Ta again, there's ta also an either, which I think we're going to talk about. That uh, <laughs> also not mentioned for some reason. Yeah. Wait till the again. This is great. This, the, the callback on this is going to be great. <clears throat> To be clear, just so she's clear, comma, fucking, plus, do you ever notice these people can't write for shit? <clears throat> Nonprofit leaders support higher wages, comma, for their employees and clients, for the employees and clients they serve. So it's good for Doesn't them. Doesn't sound like it. I mean, yeah, it's a weird... It's it a sounds weird, like she's arguing the opposite. It's a weird way to make an argument. I yeah. mean, that's a good sentence. To be clear, nonprofit leaders support higher wages for the for their employees and the clients they serve. Is there a but there? Uh, no, there's just a... No there's, but. There's huh. two commas in that I guess the whole article is Yeah, yeah. Well, no, the but comes at the end. Just wait. Huh. A higher minimum wage can be a boost to people who turn to nonprofits for help. Well, yeah, you're right about that. A conversation about raising the minimum wage should include nonprofit employers who are affected by these decisions, including the rate and pace of the increase. I completely disagree with that. Yeah, I'm not going to ask. It's like asking your boss whether you can form a union. Yeah, don't ask. Just do it. Actually, don't tell them until it's done. Yep. You undermine the boss. Ask people around you and tell them what the why you sh should be joining you. Show them, uh, sorry to bother you, the Boots Riley film. And then... Start the union, and once you have everybody on board, then tell the boss. Yeah. Don't ask them fucking shit. <clears throat> Research is just emerging from areas that raised rates two years ago and can provide an insight to those unintended consequences. Notice there's none listed, though. It's just emerging. It's just emerging. This mm. reminds me of the Carney um, thing about the weed, the pot. He's like, I got to call Hickenlooper. We have emerging information. I'm like, buddy, it's been like four years. The information's emerged. It's out. Yeah. The cat's out of the bag. Well, let's all grow up. But you notice she was cool with the numbers before, but now these are just emerging numbers. We no don't numbers? Know. No numbers. No numbers. No. Interesting. No. They're, they're just, they're emerging. Hmm. And only from I guess areas. We, have, we can't see them. We just see that they're there. They're there. They're, they're, they're coming. coming. It's like, we, we don't yeah, know what they are yet. It's sort of like when a tree comes out of the ground, yeah. just when it's a, when it's a little like a sapling. Like a, like a whale below the surface. You yeah, you don't know what it is. There, yeah. There's something there. It might it's be the Loch Ness Monster. Sometimes in my garden. It might be the fact that minimum wage is bad, or maybe it's not. You don't know. We don't know. We don't know. No numbers. Yeah. It's a sapling, and it could be, you know, it could grow into a pine, a pin oak, or it could be a weed. Yeah. We don't know yet. It's emerging. But it's something. We know it that It is something. Much. They are emerging. Any decision to raise rates should have a corresponding requirement for state governments to increase contracts and grants. Well, I actually do agree with that. I, I, I do agree with that. I don't know. It, I mean, okay. 
Sure. Wonder how we do that. Yeah, how would we do that? She doesn't say. She just ends. That's it. That's oh, the yeah. whole. That's that's the whole idea. I don't know. It's a pretty. Seems pretty fucking thin, Sheila. Yeah. That's just the end. Two minutes later, <clears throat> huh. uh, I receive a, a message after I get that link with what looks like a spreadsheet, some sort of spreadsheet. It's all of these people, and and uh, <clears throat> it's no information other than a, a number at this other column. So it's so and so. Uh, you know, this coordinator, dot, 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 zero, so-and-so, this job, dot, 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 zero, so-and-so, and so on, six or seven people. And then it says, uh, Sheila Bravo, president CEO, dot, 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 $130,000. This fucking grifter is drawing $130,000 from this fucking scheme. To go over the math, that is over twice the average household income, the median household income in America. Unfucking believable. Now, I, I don't know what makes me more angry. Uh, the idea that, you know, I know lots of organizers. I'm friends with lots of organizers. And they, I know people who run nonprofits and do just tremendous tremendous community work in the community every day and uh, they don't make $130,000 <clears> so this is a very interesting turn of events very interesting turn and I, I have to be perfectly I have to be perfectly clear you know how she had to be clear I'm going to be perfectly clear this fucking Sheila Bravo should should write another letter saying she resigns from this post because she's embarrassed herself she's embarrassed the nonprofits to do good work she's embarrassed me for having to read it and and I'm just I, I I'm beside myself to see that it's 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 fucking gross what I mean what was your reaction when you saw that? I know you're not you're not prone to uh, to fits of rage or, or, or sort of hyperbole so maybe you can give us more a more measured reaction well you know I don't really have a full reaction yet but I do think that one is emerging there is a reaction that is, uh, we don't see it yet, but it's coming, and it could be one thing, it could be the other. Um, <laughs> we don't know. The numbers aren't there yet. Sheila, we just, we don't, we don't know. I mean, the, the, the state could, um, you know, actually pay um, for services for folks, um, you know, medical services and job services and housing, help to get a home and, you know, all the different things, um, you know, that they help with. Uh, they could do that. Um by, you know, raising the taxes on the people who are sending their kids to, to fucking friends in Tower Hill. And they're driving around this neighborhood in $80,000 cars. Or, or drawing from a non-profit alliance for the good of all people, $130,000 fucking dollars. So, I think it's very clear to say, just because we're, we're all about clarity today, that m m Sheila should resign in disgrace. And we should pass the minimum wage bill as quickly as possible because it's not too much too soon. It's too little too slowly. We were talking about this yesterday. You look at these, and this is more numbers. Like <clears throat> The number that really strikes me is the rent, the, the uh, average rents, you know, in cities. If you want to live... You know, if you can't afford a car, you want to live near 
either where you work or near some sort of public transportation, as shitty as it might be. The Most people can't afford just the average rent in places. And this woman has the fucking audacity to draw 130 grand off of off the fucking alliance for for shilling for it's just it's it's really really vile. Oh yeah, for some numbers context, $130,000 is uh 15,757 hours of 825 minimum wage. So yeah, I mean just yeah. to give you an example, that would be working um 43 hours a day. For a year to get that much on minimum wage. Yeah. I mean, I thought about, and I, I don't re remember when she mentioned this, but I was at a talk with Ashley Biden at the Center for Justice a couple years ago. And she did the math. And I think the, the annual, if you worked 40 hours a week, and of course you don't get any paid leave, you don't get any sick time. You probably don't get any health insurance. You probably you go through the exchanges maybe to get something. <clears throat> And you bring home like, you know, $18,000 a year, something, something like that. You know, and I remember that morning, uh, there were colleagues of mine who got bonuses of $20,000 Yep, for the year. There's a lot there. This cannot, I mean, you got to look at it in, in, in with some sort of context and see that this is this is not sustainable. It's just not. And I think that we've identified uh, a remedy uh, for this. And I think we've identified a thing that historically, here in the United States, has been able to fight back against these forces. And Carl and I, along with uh, my missus, Nurse Susan, uh, we're lucky enough to be able to uh, take a field trip yesterday uh, down to D.C. to George Washington University uh, to see Senator Bernie Sanders uh, make a speech, make a speech um, in a, a small auditorium. It's about 400 people, 450 people. Yeah, about. Uh, on on the remedy for this, and the remedy for this, as you know, is democratic socialism. Um. Carl and I will give you some of our thoughts about it. Um, most, some of you may have seen clips of it. Some of you may have seen the same thing. This the whole thing. Um, you know, we were we were in the room, and I think the big overarching theme was the completion of the New Deal, and you know, F, what what FDR did, what the what the actual climate was when it was done what it did for the material needs of the people of the country, how it's been tried to roll back, and really what we need to do is not stop the rollback of it. We need to advance it forward. The Bill of Rights, I think, is what he said, will, will, will guarantee political rights. And everybody thinks that's important. Speech, religion, assembly, press they're non-negotiable political rights we have economic rights as well because you are not free you have no liberty if you have no home if you have no security in your retirement if you can't find a job if you can't afford health care or it'll bankrupt you if you get it you are not free 
and it was a it was a really it was a really moving uh it was a moving speech for me um i never thought i like i said i i've been following bernie um since he was in the house you know i you know i, I knew that there was a socialist mayor of burlington but i didn't know who it was and then when he was in the house i was following him and i i never thought that i would hear a a, a, a national speech like that yeah i mean it's also it is in a way a historic speech in terms of one of the first um full-fledged um defenses of socialism by a major party candidate since just about i think ever um so it's historic but it's also an interesting in this uh the context of the race the 2020 race as it stands today uh because i know actually and i was sort of uh little bit uh, bittersweet going into this um this speech was that uh, just a few hours before we'd start getting the uh the first uh national polls and state polls where warren had jumped ahead of bernie sanders in terms of the uh the second place and this is after a long stretch of you know she's had a pretty good press coverage she's been releasing a lot of plans and been doing very well whereas bernie sanders campaign at least for the last few months has been relatively silent and not doing a whole lot um, but I think this was an, and I do like Elizabeth Warren. I, I don't want to put her down cause I think she's probably one of the best senators we've had in a while. Uh, maybe not the best, but one of the best. And a lot of her plans are legitimately really good, but I think the speech did show what sets Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders apart. And as well, Elizabeth Warren has a plan for stuff. Uh, Bernie Sanders has an actual political vision, um, and while Elizabeth Warren, I think, do ha does have a certain idea of how um, our society works and how she does want to fix it, I think a lot of times it gives off the impression of having a lot of different parts sort of smacked together. And, like, she does talk about a grassroots movement. She does talk about changing the political climate. Uh, but Bernie Sanders is the guy who's been doing these things for decades. He's been working towards this goal for decades. And, you know... While Elizabeth Warren, I don't think she'd make a horrible president, Bernie Sanders has a certain type of political vision and a way of making a movement that we saw back in 2016. A lot of the uh, idea of democratic socialism, as we now see it today in this country, would not be in place if Bernie Sanders had not inspired millions of young people um, and millions of workers the way he did in 2016. And I think this was sort of a reminder that that is what he is as a candidate, and that is inherently unique. Yeah, I think that that's a, an excellent way to put it. Like, all of Elizabeth Warren, and I feel the same way about Elizabeth Warren. I like Elizabeth Warren a lot. <clears throat> well, like how she operates. Um, she sings, I, you know, I like Elizabeth Warren. But her plans um, that she's laid out, all different ones have different moving parts and what you can do and how you can do it. They all fit within... Bernie's vision like a lot I shouldn't say all of them but a, a lot of them do some of them don't go far enough some of them forget maybe this thing or that thing but for the most part you look at them as somebody who is is who shares Bernie's vision you say okay I see where she's going there I see where she's going there I, I kind of get that but it's not enough to just do that I think is which is like it yeah. but, but but it's it's more than that it has to be more you have to know why you're doing something 
what direction you're going in, there has to be a foundation there. And no one's going to understand more about that project than, than Bernie because he's been doing it his entire life. Like, I, I, I know that people, like, that's, this is the, I'm starting to frame it this way for folks who just don't seem to, like, to get it. They think it's just, you just need a plan. You just execute the plan. You just get, get things done. You just, whatever. People use different euphemisms for it. Uh, that's not what you do. That's a, yeah, the technocratic government. Yeah, that's, the te that's actually not what you do. Uh, it doesn't work. It's never been done. Um, it's, 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 it's usually sort of half measures that have to be sold in a certain way, in a certain way to make them look like they're doing something they're not doing, or you rebrand something bad to make it look like something good, or, you know, whatever you do, or you triangulate, or, you know, what, what did I say yesterday when we walked by the William Jefferson Clinton buildings? You got to find a third way. Yeah. yeah, you don't need to find a third way. That's not, you don't need to do that. You need to have a vision that things fit into so that when you make governing decisions, <clears throat> when you decide how the nuts and bolts of something are going to operate, you, it, it has to fit this vision to ensure that the movement goes forward. Otherwise, you're just sort of negotiating like the technocratic view. You're just, you're just, you're, you're tinkering. You're solving individual problems as they come up. Yeah, and it's sort of like a, a sort of like a whack-a-mole situation where you can hit these pretty well and you can be good at that, but you're still playing the same game. Yeah. Like, you could be good at whack-a-mole and hit the, those fucking moles and get all the tickets you want, um, but it's just, you, you don't have to, there's, there's no reason, there's no, uh, there's nothing that says you have to continue playing that same game over and over and over again. Yeah. You don't have to do that. Yeah, and so I think we should probably talk a little bit about what the actual vision was, because we've talked about this vision, um, but it's important to talk about the historical context that he talks about and what his vision for that is. And so I can give through to the background of what he was talking about with um, the 1920s and 1930s. Yes. How, and this is something that people do not know a lot about, is that in... Uh, the 1920s, and actually after the um, the Great Depression, 1929, uh, there was, in America and also around the world in general, a rising fascist movement. And in places like Italy, places like Germany, uh, this movement was actually able to get into power through a series of electoral uh, things, uh, political compromises, street gangs, basically, uh, political violence, repression. Uh, but in America, we actually did have a fascist movement. You had people, as he said, um, a, a Nazi rally in Madison Square Garden where people were walking around a picture of uh, George Washington surrounded by swastikas, which uh, if you there's a picture of it. And if you look it up, it is striking just how insane this was. But we did not become a fascist country. And the reason for that was not you know, little technocratic fixes. It wasn't political compromise. It was uh, the implementation and the political vision behind the New Deal and at Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And today we find ourselves um, in a similar position. He talked about um, sort of the right-wing demagogues across the world. You had your, uh, I think you had a list of them there. Yeah, I did. I, and I was so happy because I don't even know if it's an exhaustive list, but, uh, you know, we were talking about it. And yeah, he had a lot. He, uh, but some of the folks that he mentioned, again, the world, worldwide rise of sort of uh, far right totalitarianism, fascism. 
he mentioned MBS, so Mohammed bin Salman in Saudi Arabia, which is obviously a huge one. That just the, the inclusion of that name is a political statement in itself. Correct. He mentioned Bolsonaro, Jair Bolsonaro in Brazil. Uh, and again, today I think he came out because The Intercept has done some reporting and they've gotten to them leaked uh, a lot of chats between uh, the folks who, basically the folks in government that put Lula in prison. Uh, you've heard me say Lula Livre. Uh, I'll give you a quick background. Um, Lula was the, he, he was a, a socialist metal worker. Uh, he, he never graduated. I, th I think he's got a sixth grade education or something. Um, he lost a finger as a metal worker. And he lived through um, the Brazilian uh, military dictatorship. He rose to power as a leftist uh, labor organizer. Um, but when he sort of uh, formed and, and joined with the, um, the Workers' Party, the, the, it's called PT in, in Brazil, um, he, he basically wrote a letter to the Brazilian people and he said, look, I have to govern everybody. I'm going sort of, to gonna sort of try to govern everybody. I'm not going to lose my principles but I have to govern sort of more as a, as a progressive and not a, as a leftist. And for eight years, that's what he did. Uh, he, li he lifted millions and millions and millions and millions of people out of poverty. Um, Brazil actually uh, had all kinds of economic growth. They, they joined, you know, other huge countries in the world in, in economic prosperity. Um, but it wasn't good enough. So... He had his predecessor, he was term limited. His predecessor, Dilma Rousseff, did a lot of uh, his, um, followed up with a lot of his, his plans, uh, but capital always strikes back. So uh, Dilma Rousseff was uh, impeached on a technicality, and uh, Lula was uh, put in prison on uh, sort of very flimsy charges of, of receiving a, uh, a, a beach apartment and, and, uh, and some renovations to it. There's no, there's no real evidence of this, but they've just said that, you know, they didn't have any evidence other than, uh, I think, some, some third-hand testimony, second-hand testimony. Yeah, and there was also, in general, like, Brazil was caught up in a massive corruption scandal at the time, which included everybody in every party, basically. Yes, that's but right. But weirdly, only the left-wingers got consequences for that. Right. So, uh, so under, a, under a, an odd sort of trial where the prosecutor was both the prosecutor and the judge— which if you're familiar with sort of like Italy and a few countries in Europe have this sort of weird uh, situation uh, through Lula. Uh, he, so he was running, he was going to run for president and he was leading in the polls. His approval rating was in the 70s, approaching 80%. Uh, they threw him in prison and they didn't, they, 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 they held him in solitary and incommunicado. They wouldn't let him speak. Um, they wouldn't let him stay on the ballot uh, from prison. Uh, and so... Um, a right-winger was elected, Jair Bolsonaro. Uh, come to find out, uh, a lot of stuff has come out about how this was a politically motivated thing, that the, the, the judge was actually promoted to a new judicial, federal judicial position in the Bolsonaro administration. Um, things have come out about Bolsonaro's sons being involved in um, knowing people that were involved in the assassination of a, of a Congress member, uh, Marcelo Franco. Um, so... Just wanted to give you that background. This is why I'm uh, so sort of I follow this stuff because it's a it's a it's a worldwide movement. The same way it was in the thirty the late twenties and early thirties. It's the same way it is today. Bernie made it very clear, and you see Trump hanging out with uh, Orban uh, in Hungary. 
you see Trump exchanging sort of niceties with uh, uh, Duterte in uh, the Philippines. Like this is not this this is a worldwide thing. You have to start thinking like that, and this is something that Bernie laid out very clearly yesterday. Yeah, and so basically said, you know, we're very similar economic times. We have the same levels of inequality that we had in the 1920s. Um, we're in very similar political times. There's a rising right-wing reactionary movement all across the country, or not well, all across the country and all across the world. Um, but just as it was in the 1930s, we don't fix that by compromising with them. We don't fix it by tacking toward the middle. We fix it uh, with economic rights. We fix it with democratic socialism. Yeah, he even he even gave us, uh, you know, obviously, all throughout Roosevelt's life, um, his he you know he was labeled as a as a as a socialist and as a communist by his enemies. But even the centrist sort of um, you know corporate Democrat, you know north northeastern elite Democrat um, and southern Al, 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 Al Smith, yeah, well, right, but but even Al Smith, who people now think of as sort of like a you know, not really a radical sort of sort of guy, even, you know, basically accused Roosevelt of being a socialist or communist or whatever. You know, so it's it's <clears throat> it's not uncommon to 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 be to to get it from all sides when you don't again, you don't want to keep playing whack-a-mole. Like as good as you can be at it, we don't have to keep hit we don't have to keep mindlessly hitting these things on the head. We can stop this. Uh, and that's really the the you know the way forward. He laid out that historical uh, that historical case, you know, all the way up through uh, Johnson too, talking about some of the, you know, it's hard to it's hard to praise Johnson, you know, the whole genocide in Vietnam thing. That wasn't that great, but uh, at home there were a lot of you know advancements that were, and still today are just painted as something that was horrible for our culture and they're trying to roll it back you know so it's there is a historical thread through this that really needs to be reckoned with and, and understood yeah because i mean and it's sort of the point he made that uh he went through all the presidents all the democratic presidents from fdr all the way to bill clinton said you know every time they tried to do anything they um they called it socialist any, and uh, I think it was the Truman quote that every advancement that has been made in the past two decades has been called socialism. Right. We can't be afraid of the word socialism. And I think that's actually weirdly something that the Democratic Party, even some of the more center elements of it, because that's the, uh, the Facebook meme I've seen a million times that is not technically through like theoretically, but it's, but saying that like, Oh, the, the post office is socialism, and oh, the VA is socialism, or the roads are socialist, which is like, okay, maybe not technically correct, but the idea is that these things that are called socialist, it's so broad that it makes us afraid to do anything where the government is actually helping people, and we need to stop being afraid of that, and actually, you know, lean into it. Yeah, I mean, there's if there was anything Bernie did yesterday was was lean right into it, and yeah, I, I kind of don't, I think they're. I go back and I, you know, I, I sort of vacillate on it because, on in one hand, you know, I, I hear Bernie. Bernie makes that point about the VA, yeah, um, and it's right. Um, it's just who we deem, uh, and his point is like, well, we'll be, because these are, are veterans, you know, we deem them worthy to get health care, to get you know, 
to try. They sh- I mean, they are homeless. I mean, they're rough sleeping. They're they have an opioid problem, so we don't really take great care of them. But at least in theory, we try mm-hmm. um, because we feel like they deserve it. I feel like everybody deserves it. Yeah. So there's a, but but again, you, I I don't, I hate pointing even even Social Security, which is used a lot. Like, yeah, that is socialist. But let's just let's let's just say, we, yeah, we did that to do that, which is the context he put it in. But the bigger project is to keep going to build on that. Those are only little things. You know, it needs to be you know far far bigger. Yeah, I mean, there were certain parts of it that because I've been trying to read a lot more theory stuff lately. And so my eye was twitching a little bit when he was talking about how um, uh, he believed in democratic socialism, whereas Trump believed in corporate socialism. Yeah, which I was like that down that's too. not really that's not what that means. That's corporate socialism, as he was describing it, where people get the the government handouts, where they get uh, money without working for it. That's just capitalism. They're the capitalists, and the people who are not getting who are actually working for it, they're the. Uh, the workers. Yeah. But there is a I, I very... It's funny because I wrote that down and I didn't like it either. And I put, you know, a social... People talk about socializing losses because yeah. I think it's just a shorthand for... And I think he used that... You know, the big one is the 2008, you know, and the banks yeah. like needed a bailout. They needed free money at the Fed discount window. They needed all of the... they You know, they needed the, the government to absorb their losses. Yeah. Um, and so I think that, you know, people... People say you know you know socialized losses, uh, but you, you know your profits you get to keep, yeah. or your incent all the incentives and tax breaks. Um, the other thing that he you know that he said is Amazon paying zero in federal tax. You have to you have to do this with his finger, zero in federal tax. Yep. Um, so, so I understand why he uses that shorthand, but you're right. I don't I don't yeah. particularly care for it. <laughs> but I after I did have to think about it a little bit because I was like I know that at least one of his speechwriters knows the difference, and so it is an interesting because the the framing was I am a democratic socialist, Trump is a corporate socialist, which I think is it's an it's an attempt to frame the discussion uh, because if the argument is capitalism versus socialism we're still at the point in a national election where socialism is probably going to lose that but by inherently framing both sides as socialists it's just a matter of who is a socialism for that changes discussion altogether and so when trump yells and he even said this when trump yells socialism you have to remember he's for socialism for the rich and so it frames it not as capitalism versus socialism but basically who do we want to get the majority of the benefit for this country? Do we want it to be the top 1% or do we want it to be the bottom 99%? And by framing it as corporate socialism, which is not a thing, but in some people's mind it is, versus democratic socialism, he is saying, I am the candidate that wants the wealth to go to the 99% and Donald Trump is the candidate that wants the wealth to go to 1%. And I think that in itself is fairly smart, even if it's not theoretically in tip-top shape. Yeah, I mean, and again, that that's the thing. It, it's it's interesting to have this uh, discussion because this is what I get into with a, with a lot of folks, either online or in person. It's like, well, this doesn't line up, and this doesn't check out. No, it's he, as you said. I don't think it's a problem of of Bernie and his team, whether they be speechwriters, economists, um, strategy people. Like they certainly know that. The, the 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 construction corporate socialism isn't doesn't mean anything it's a it's a framing device and so you have to look at it like yeah we're trying to, to sort of point out 
we're arguing this and the alternative is really this. And so I think in that sense, like you said, it is important because it's going to be very difficult. People have run away from this idea for, you know, it's like a red, I think he used the words red scare. You know, I think that was like, this is the, you know, we're, we're seeing the, the typical things drawn out again, you know, he, he read some quotes that, that people had used over the years about, uh, you know, about FDR, about LBJ, like you said, about Truman. And it's, yeah, it's just a red scare. It's very, very strange. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, now young people have been brought up not with, so people my age and even a little bit older have been brought up with everybody yelling about socialism at every little thing. Uh, Obamacare was socialist. The bailout was socialist. Um DACA is socialist for some reason, um, but without sort of that looming presence of the USSR and no more Cold War. So, because I was born seven years after the Cold War fell or the Cold War ended, um, so there's a whole new generation that has been hearing socialist, socialist, socialist about every good idea that we hear. And so, at a certain period of time, people are going to be like, "Well, maybe let's try the socialist thing." Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 and, and that was what was so sort of historic, you know, and people use that. He brought this up, too, is, uh, you know, Reagan doing that socialized medicine uh, LP back, oh, yeah, in, back the, in the 62, or was it 60? No, it was the uh, 40s. Oh, uh, that was 40s. The, well, that, right, that's right. That was, that that was, was the, uh, Truman. Truman. Yep. Yeah, that's right. I was thinking of the somebody's, uh, he read a quote about somebody calling Kennedy, you know, uh, under that, it's marks under a, a, a nice haircut and a yeah. friendly smile or something. <laughs> if only. Yeah, I know. That's what I said when you, when everybody says this. I'm like, you know, if that was the case, we would like these people a whole yeah, lot stop, better. Yeah, stop making them sound so cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But I think, you know, the 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 thing that really, and I, I've, I've seen it replayed a couple times today, was the, the, the list of, you know, the list of things that you would have to reckon with and understand if you think that we're really free. You know, if you allow vets to sleep on the street, if you can't, you know, if you're going to file bankruptcy because you had to go uh, to the emergency room, you know, and you listed maybe a dozen things. And I just, you know, again, it's sort of framing. You know, maybe people don't really give a shit that it's pouring rain outside and, you know, a veteran is sleeping outside in the rain right now, probably near here. Yeah. I mean, like you either care about that or you don't. Like, I don't know what to, t- I don't know what to say. Like we read that op-ed from the, the nonprofit woman. Like, yeah. I mean, either we have to step in and, and, and certainly the place where we're not, we're not going to cut corners on people who are doing your filing or driving your vans or doing the custodial work at your buildings. That's not how this works. You know, you either care about these things or you don't. And then we can have the argument. But I'm not going to have an argument about technocratic bullshit. Right now, we need to have an argument about whether we are really, really free if we allow all of the things that he touched on yesterday to go on without doing anything. Or, 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 or like I said, or the op-ed or the guy at the Chamber of Commerce thinking that where we really need to make sure we have the money is the the, the dollar or two dollars or three dollars an hour, you know, for the cashier, not the hundred and thirty or who knows what that James McClatchen or whatever his fucking name is, the, the cheese or whatever. I mean, he probably makes double that, and probably doesn't even live here. <laughs> probably not. I'd like to look that up. 
James. If I see nobody can look it up because I think I've called him five different names. <clears throat> we can put the link to the op-ed and everything. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, go go look at this. And the other thing is, I really want to give a shout out to Sarah. Uh, I know you're new in town, and I had Matt Bid on here, and I hope that uh, you keep up that kind of reporting uh, because to get that on to get that on the record so that we could shit on it is uh, very much appreciated from us. So <laughs> that's the kind of stuff we live for. Oh, this. This fucking oligarch fucking ghoul made this statement. Oh, we got a good hour of content off of that bad boy. Yeah, we love uh, our local news reporters. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Friends, thanks again. Um, yeah, we'll see uh, what we can what we can drop for you. I, I really enjoyed the conversation with Adam and uh, and Jordan too. So I hope we can uh, we can get that out soon for you too. And again, there's going to we got we have things in the works. So I. Um, I think it would be cool. We did get a couple more uh, patrons, so we have a nice handful, nice base. Um, we've put out 20 or so episodes for you. You kind of see where it's going, and we have more stuff. And, um, you know, definitely check out the the YouTube uh, that's on there. There'll be more to come on that. It's a nice series that Carl's doing, and, um, you know, we're going to expand sort of the universe here um, to be able to kind of get out and get more expertise from a wider range of folks. Um, I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be a cool ride. So hopefully you can get on the ground floor, patreon.com slash the Highlands bunker at Highlands bunker on Twitter. And uh, yeah, you can also email at the uh, Highlands bunker at gmail.com. Uh, Carl, thanks for running the, uh, running the show again. Yeah. All right. Cheers everybody. And uh, once, uh, once we get Lula out, uh, we got to get reality winner out of prison too. Left yeah. is best. Let's do both. Yeah, let's do. We can do both at the same time. Left is best. 